Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Yeah, you are. Well, hey, good morning. My name is Marshall Peterson. Our lead pastor, Scott Rambo, is not here today. He's actually in Vegas. Sin City. Y'all pray for him. Uh, kidding. His daughter's in a volleyball tournament. But I'm excited to be here with you guys to uh, conclude our series on squad goals. Now, if you've been here, this is your first time here and you don't know what squad means, or you've been here and you're like, I don't know what that means. Simply, it's a group of friends with a common goal. And what we've been talking about is that if we want to have a bridge squad that has an everlasting impact on our community, we've got to do a couple different things. That we have to give generously, that we are not tippers, but we are givers. And last week we talked about how we can serve strategically. And then today we're talking about how to invite purposefully. Now here's what we know about squads, that squads don't just form out of thin air. Okay, every squad has a particular unique story. And I want to give you a few examples of different squads that you've probably heard of. Y'all look at this first squad. They're kind of getting some attention right now. Yeah, big, big movie coming out. I heard that people are actually paying thousands of dollars to get a movie ticket to, to be like the first people to see it. And I'm just like, movie tickets are already expensive. Why are you trying to pay more? I don't, I don't get that. Um, uh, what about this next squad? If you're more of a DC fan, yeah, Justice League, they, they're doing some, some stuff too. It's pretty fun. And what about this next one, the Ultimate 90s Squad? Yes, I watched the last episode of Friends last night. Don't know why, because I hate it. I always have to go back to season one. Uh, and then ultimately, this is the ultimate squad that we love here as Americans, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. These are our heroes. They are incredible. They are real-life heroes. And, uh, but here's, what again, what we know about squads, that they, are, they have a unique story. Each person that makes up the squad has an individual talent, a gift that they bring to the group. And, uh, you know, they have a, a certain goal that they want to accomplish, and everybody invests into accomplishing that goal. But here's, here's what we know about squads, too, is that each squad has some sort of recruiting process. Right, with the Avengers, you got Nick Fury who's trying to assemble them all together. You've got Batman trying to get the Justice League together. Warner Brothers got the cast of Friends together. And then, you know, each branch of the military has a recruiting department because they have to build it up out of somewhere. Because, again, and if we want to get serious about our bridge squad, if we want to get serious about building up this community in a way that just is, is continuing to grow and continuing to make an incredible impact on this community, we have to buy into this statement right here. That in order to build your squad, you must invest and invite. Now, you see those two words, a little panic attack goes on right now. Because you're thinking, I don't want to talk to anybody about God. That's why I come here. I'm not, I'm not going to talk to anybody about God or invite anybody to church because, first of all, I'm not really qualified to invite people to church or to talk about God. I don't have that ability. In fact, you're lucky I'm here today. And I'm lucky that y'all even let me in because I just don't have that ability to talk to someone that's just awkward, it's, it's you know, the fear of rejection just overwhelms you know, me, I'm, I'm having anxiety just talking about it. But I want to put your mind at ease when it comes to your imperfection because as you walked in today, you probably saw either on the banners outside or on the door a little sign that says, no perfect people allowed. Now we, we mean that. And what we mean is that Everybody has something going on. Everybody has some sort of struggle. Everybody has some sort of, of, of hang-up that, that we're dealing with, that we're trying to get through. But what, we, what happens is that we think that that stunts us from doing anything, that, we're, that that's where we live. But here's what you need to know about your imperfection. What you need to know is that 
because you are imperfect, that that is not a deterrent from God. That God isn't looking at you and just going, oh my gosh, again, really, you with that thing? No, he's looking at you and he loves you in spite of that imperfection. Because we are imperfect, what that means is that our serving is more significant. Because even though we are imperfect, even though we are broken, we are still choosing to be a part of a story that is bigger than ourselves. And the last thing that it means, because we are imperfect, is that our community is crucial. And I mean that, that it is vital, because we are broken, that we are surrounding ourselves with a loving community. Because nobody, God didn't intend for us to go through life alone. And it's because of this imperfection, when we're talking about investing and inviting, that this is true. Our imperfection makes our invitation more compelling. It's more attractive. It's more genuine. It's more authentic because we're not going out there thinking, you know, we're better than anyone. That we have this fake happy sense about us that we're super spiritual. And that, you know, we never want to give that impression. That that's how, how we come across and how we think of ourselves. But instead... Because when you do that, what that does is kind of creates a division. That it's kind of us, you know, holy people, versus them, the sinners. And we don't want to, to create that type of atmosphere in our lives and definitely in, in, in our church. Instead, we, you know, we want to just say something that's like, you know what, I do too. I struggle too. I have my hangups as well. We don't want to look down our noses and just look it up at everybody and just say, you know what, I'm glad that everybody in here is holy because out there in the flood are the sinners. We don't want, we don't want them in here. In fact, they're going to hell in a handbasket and good riddance. We're going to be better off when they're gone. You know, that's, that's not the mentality that we're trying to create here for a couple reasons. The first is because that goes exact opposite of what Jesus taught in the Bible. The exact opposite of how Jesus modeled his life. And two, it's just not attractive. Nobody's going to want to hang out if you're just walking around. And if we're just walking around thinking that we're better than everybody. Or that we've got life figured out. Because again, the sign says no perfect people allowed for a reason. And we have to make sure that, that we are just constantly saying, I do too. You have struggles? I do too. Do you, do you constantly struggle with the same thing over and over again? Me too. Do you let people down? Yes. Do you say things you shouldn't say? Hello, all the time. Do we break promises? Yeah, I do that too. Just so we're looking at them and just saying, you know what? We are all messed up in some form or fashion. We all have things that we're dealing with. And here at the bridge, here, here's, here's what we like to, to think about. We like to think about that we are always investing and in inviting people who feel far from God. Because what we know is that they need God the most. Just like we know how much we need God. And in fact, that kind of drives everything that we do here at the bridge. It drives what we say, what we program, the different events that we put up, that we are always thinking, how can this be something that, that uh, someone who feels far from God would want to be a part of? Because here's what we know, that every single person is incredibly important to God. And how do we know that? How do we know that every life is valuable to God? Because he sent his only son to earth. To show us himself. That he sent Jesus here so that we would know what he is actually like. What God is actually like. Because before Jesus showed up, nobody could see God. Nobody could talk to God. God used prophets and religious leaders to, to tell the people his business. But they got it right sometimes. But a lot of times they got it wrong. 
And so he said, you know what? I'm going to take care of this myself. I'm sending my son so that you know exactly how I think. You know exactly how I'm going to respond in certain situations. And this is huge. This is the big part. You know exactly who I value, what people groups I want to be involved with. And we see in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, that Jesus hung out with people that the holy and religious people had a big problem with. Because conventional wisdom at the time just said, you know, well, God is only in love and only loves people who, you know, are at church every week, uh, who are doing the right things, people who would be considered holy. And if you're a sinner and going against God, he wants nothing to do with you. But Jesus flips that whole system on its head when he shows up. And the religious people, they went banana sandwich over it. They were thinking, look, look, I'll show you right here. Look at Mark. It says, but when the teachers of religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors, who were your biblical thugs of the day, okay, tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Now, we probably don't use that word scum because we're, it's not the 1920s, right? But how many times do we look at a certain group and we, we kind of cast that same judgment? Like, no, why? Why are they like that? Why do they do that? They, are, they would be considered scum. And we kind of had this, this mentality where we just look down on certain people because of their labels, because of their lifestyles. But look what Jesus says. We know how Jesus will respond because this is what he says. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And I love that Jesus doesn't, you know, just say, oh, they're all right. No, he, he admits that, yes, they are sick. But that makes it more real that who needs a doctor? Who needs a savior? Who needs help? Who needs to be accepted? Who needs to be restored? It's the sick people. And he says, I've come to call not those who think they are righteous. He says, you may think it. And Jesus has some very choice words for them in in other occasions in, in Matthew and Mark. But he says, you may think that you're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I mean, these people know they got problems. These people know how they're viewed by society. He says, I've come to hang out with these people. I've come to love these people. I've come to show these people how God truly sees them, not what you said about them. This is so crucial how he does this. In another time, people were just never satisfied. You could, you could live one way and people would still get mad and you could live this way and people are still going to get mad. So Jesus is kind of calling this crowd out on this. And the first guy that he mentions is this guy, John. Now, John, uh, he was kind of talking about Jesus before Jesus showed up on the scene. And John was very, um, you know, very northwestern, very natural. You know, he wore weird clothes and probably had a smell about him and he ate bugs. Okay, so total gluten-free vegan guy. All right. And listen, if you're from Seattle in here, I love you. Okay. Beautiful part of the country. But John just had this way and people were kind of like, he's different. Okay. And this is how Jesus sets this up. He says, for John didn't spend his time eating and drinking. And you say, well, he's possessed by a demon. It says, the son of man, referring to himself on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. People just could not get over the fact that Jesus was associating, that he had a reputation for constantly hanging out 
And what really drove him nuts was the fact that he felt at home with these people. And the crazy thing is, is that these groups of people felt at home with Jesus. They never felt welcomed in the church area, in the religious community. But with Jesus, they were like, I like that guy. I'm not sure exactly what he's about, but I can tell he loves me. In fact, I can tell he even likes me. He's around us all the time. And and here's here's the thing, because again, we don't have to wonder who God would hang out with if he showed up right now. We, we can see because of where Jesus was all the time. And I don't know where you are today in regards to God. Maybe you feel distant. Maybe you feel far. Maybe you're, you're trying to make up for something, you know, by being here this morning. But you need to know a very real truth about God. And if you need to write this down, take a picture. But look at this. God is in love and compassionate with those who feel far from him. God's not looking at you and saying, I'm I'm mad at you. God's not looking at you saying, I'm disgusted. He's not rolling his eyes and just thinking, oh my gosh, seriously. Sent my son already and you're still messing up. That's not, that's not God's mentality. No, in fact, he is in love. He, it could be considered an obsession with you. And he's compassionate and just says, man, I, I get it. I know where you are. I know where you are. And in fact, Paul, a guy who would come along later, wrote in the book of Romans that all have sinned. No perfect people are here on earth. We have all fallen short. We have all disobeyed God in some form or fashion. We have all messed up. And unfortunately, there's some consequences for that. Because he writes in Romans 6.23, he says this, For the wages of sin is death. Now you know what a wage is, right? That's what you earn. That's a paycheck. So it could read, the wages of your labor is a paycheck. This is what you've earned, but what it's saying here is the wages of sin, what you earn because of your disobedience with God is death, and not just a physical death, but a spiritual death, a separation from God for eternity because we have racked up this debt that we cannot pay ourselves. We can't do enough good things. We can't come to church enough. We can't serve enough. We can't sing songs enough to overcome the sin, the disobedience that we've gone through. Now, if this verse just ended right here, it would be the worst verse in the Bible. But there's a dot, dot, dot for a reason. And here's the best part of this verse. But the free gift, it's free, y'all. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's because of that that he overcame sin, that he defeated death. This is why in two weeks it's going to be such a huge celebration on Easter. This is what we're talking about. This verse right here. Here, that he overcame death, that he defeated it, and he canceled our debt. That when we individually trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross, say, Jesus, I've got a debt I cannot pay. I trust in what you did to pay it off. When we put that in, here's what we know that it cancels our debt, that it gives us new hope, that it gives us an inheritance and relationship with a holy God despite our disobedience. And that doesn't wait. We don't have to wait to heaven until heaven to experience that, that we can experience the hope and the life change today because of that faith. And here's the best part about this is that Jesus made an invitation into this so simple. He made it so simple. And we read about his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We see that he didn't come up with some you know, elaborate way to convince people 
to follow him, he simply said two things. Come and see. Come and see. He didn't try to to guilt people into following him. He didn't try to to convince people by arguing some scientific theory of of philosophy and, and all the other stuff that we can get into and debate. No, he simply said, come and see. He didn't make it make it complicated at all. And we see this one of his first interactions. Again, we mentioned this guy named John earlier. He was known as John the Baptist, okay? Now, he wasn't Baptist because he attended First Baptist Jerusalem, but he was actually one of the first people to start baptizing people. So he was known as John the Baptist. And again, this guy was, you know, he was a little out there, you know, he dressed funny and ate bugs and stuff, and it was all natural, but he talked about Jesus in a way that really created a following. It really created a gathering of people who couldn't get enough of what he was talking about. He always talked about the coming of the Lamb of God. Well, one day Jesus is walking by, and John points him out. He's like, there he is. That's the Lamb of God. That's the guy who's going to change everything. And so some of John's followers are like, that guy? I bet he smells better than you. We're going to check him out, right? And so they start following Jesus. And look what they ask him. Look what happens. It says, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. He's like, what do you guys want? What's up? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Really what they're saying is like, what's your deal? We've heard about you. I mean, why, why are you here? What is your purpose? I mean, what are, you, what are you planning on doing? And look what Jesus says. Come and see. He does say it, I promise. <laughs> there it is. He simply replied, come and see. And so these guys start following him, and, and, and they're saying, whoa, we, we found the Messiah. And one of the two guys that followed him, his name was Andrew, he went and told his brother Peter. He said, Peter, I, we found the Messiah. The guy that we've heard about all our lives is here. you got to come and see him. He just extends that invitation. And then the next day, Peter's like, yeah, I, I bought into this guy. Let's go tell Philip. And so Philip goes, and, and they're like, Philip, we found him. you got to check this out. Come and see. Come and see. And so Philip goes off, and he finds his buddy. And this, this exchange is a little funnier, okay? He says this, Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, I've, I've been a part of these types of conversations because I'm from Nacogdoches, okay? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Is that funny? And, I, you know, I'm, I live in Houston, I've been living in Houston for a while now, and, you know, the conversation comes up when I meet people, where are you originally from? You talk weird, you know, like actual Texan. And, and I go, well, I'm from Nacogdoches, and they start laughing, just like you did, all of you. <laughs> and, and they're like, nah. <laughs> Nacogdoches, can you even spell that? <laughs> More like Naka nowhere. And so I'm just like, <laughs> your face is stupid, right? <laughs> why, why are you coming to my town? But Nazareth had this type of reputation. It was on the wrong side of the tracks. That everybody who said Nazareth, there's absolutely nothing. That place is trash. Nobody good can come from that. And Philip, thank God, didn't respond to Nathaniel like I would have responded and by insulting him. Like, that's my hometown, man. What, what's the deal? But instead... He doesn't try to debate him. He doesn't try to make up for it. He simply says, come and see for yourself. Come and see for yourself. And they learn this invitation from Jesus. They say, man, you want to 
investigate what I'm talking about? You want to see if I back up what I'm preaching? You want to see the life change that is about to happen because of Jesus? Jesus just says, come and see. And he got his core group of disciples who would later become apostles. And they followed that same model of, man, just come and check it out. And eventually Jesus would die. He would come back to life, give these guys a mission to go and preach the gospel to the furthest part of the earth with a simple invitation of come and see. And this was their official method of inviting people of the first century church. They said, man, just come and see. Man, listen, we found a better way to live. And it's through a relationship with Jesus. And we're not perfect. We haven't figured it all out. We, I mean, we, we can't answer all the questions. But here's what we do know is that we love each other. We give each other hope. We encourage each other. We provide for each other. And we want to, to treat our people better than any other people group on the planet because of Jesus. And if you want to know more about it, don't just listen to us. Come and check it out. Come and see. And because of that invitation, this is what happened. That thousands were drawn to Christ because of a bunch of imperfect people gave a simple invitation of come and see. Check it out for yourself. And over 2,000 years later, it is still the best model to get people to, to come and experience Jesus. You see, for for. For years now, this, this place, the bridge, has been growing. More and more people are coming on this campus. We, we launched a campus at Regal. It used to be Palladium a few years ago. That place is, is continually growing. We're in the process of starting a third campus, and we anticipate that that place is going gonna, is gonna to grow. And it's because that you guys simply offer an invitation of come and see. And you trust the leadership team here and everybody in this room that when you invite somebody to come and see, when they show up, they're going to get a warm welcome. That they're going to see a friendly face. That they know that it doesn't matter what they look like, that they don't have to, to dress up, you know, in church clothes to, to come here. Now, if you do dress up and come to church, you look good. We're glad you're here. But you know that, man, I'm going to wear my jersey today. Or I'm going to wear flip-flops because it's getting hot. You know that how people dress doesn't matter that you are still welcome. You know that when you invite them to come and see, that they're probably going to get something practical to help them through their week. That if they bring their kids, that they're going to have an incredible time in Bridge Kids or student ministry here in Tiny Town. I can't tell you how many times people come back to this place because their kids are like, we got to go back. It, it was so fun today. And even if you're in here and you're like, it ain't that good. We're like, well, the kids are making us and they run the world, so let's go. So many times that happens. And here, here's what I know is that you invite people and they continue to encounter Jesus. And so they're like, man, that was interesting. I'm going I'm to come back. And they come back and, and they keep bumping into Jesus. And all of a sudden their life is starting to change a little bit. They're starting to feel different. And they're like, man, this, this place is for real. i got to tell my friends about it. And then their friends tell their friends. And, and we just continue and continue to grow. And it's not because what we're doing up on this stage is, is something spectacular. It's not because it's just an amazing teaching, amazing worship. I mean, I think it is. But it's not because we're cooler or anything like that. No, it's because people are bumping into Jesus. And he is changing their lives. 
It's because people are encountering, encountering a holy God. And that is going to provide life change in a way that people never thought possible. So I know in this room we got two, two types of people, and I want to I talk to each of you, okay? The first one is this. If you call yourself a bridge partner, you, you attend here regularly, maybe, maybe it's been for a month, maybe it's been for years, but I want to I talk to you for a second. Because the only way that we keep on the up and up and getting people to encounter Jesus on a consistent basis is if you do two things. First one is this, is that you invite your friends. It's, it's a simple thing. It's what we've been talking about. I mean, there's no shock. I'm like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming, right? Invite your friends. Who do you know? Is it family members? Is it coworkers? Is it your neighbors? Is it people that you see at the gym? Other parents that, that are on your kids' sports teams? Who is it? And I know there's a tendency to say, well, I don't really know many people who don't go to church. I guess I can try to invite other church people. No, no, no. What they're doing at that church is fine. They're, they're doing incredible things. I want to challenge you, and I want to encourage you to get involved where you know people don't go to church. That you get a, become part of a group that's not affiliated with the church. So that you have more opportunities to simply make that invitation of, man, come and see. Man, I don't know what you think about God. I don't know what you think about the church. There's crazy stuff going on in the world today, but man, there's something special going on at the bridge. Just, just come and check it out. Come and see. And the second thing is this, is you've got to help us keep the bridge a safe environment. Here's what I mean by that. That when you extend that invitation, that they know when they show up to this place, no matter what they've done, what they're currently doing, what they currently believe, that they are going to feel welcome in this place. And they're going to have a great experience. And that's you. I mean, we can say all kinds of stuff from this stage, but the environment and culture that you create in the lobby and student ministry and tiny town and bridge kids makes a huge impact. Because that's the impression, again, that we want to give off that anybody is welcome. I mean, we've had people call up here and say, listen, I'm a homosexual and I just want to know if I'm welcome at your church. And we say, yes, come on. We've had conversations with people in the lobby that say, you know, I'm Muslim or I'm Buddhist or I'm atheist or agnostic. And honestly, I'm just here to listen. Is that okay? Yes. Grab some coffee. It's delicious. Make yourself at home. Because that's the type of environment. And listen, we never know what's at stake. We never know who's going to walk through that door that this might be their last Sunday that they are giving God a chance. We never know if this is the last opportunity that they're giving life a chance. You know, I, I worked in student ministry for a while. And we, uh, you know, have this spring retreat every, every spring. And, and if you've been here, you know, you've probably seen the takeover signs. And, and we've done that for years. And a few years back, uh, we had this girl in student ministry, and she was absolutely incredible. Always brought her friends. Always invited people who knew. She said, I can't explain it to you, but I know that, uh, that these guys can, and you're going to experience God in an incredible way. And she invited her friend who had just gotten out of a health clinic for anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. So this is like, she j had just come out. And she shows up, she's like, I got nothing else, okay. And she shows up, and the theme for that weekend was, was zombie killer weekend, that Jesus is the ultimate zombie killer, that he kills the death from within and, and brings, us, brings us to life. And what that girl heard was that there is a God who is obsessed with her 
who is in love with her, who values her, who is, can give her purpose and mission. And that weekend, y'all, she gave her life to Jesus, and she came a cornerstone student leader in our, in our ministry at that time. And for the next year, she did nothing but invite her friends who needed Jesus. And their friends started inviting their friends. And she was just incredible. And now she's in college to become a pastor with her husband. And it's just an incredible thing that started out with, I might want to end my life. But somebody extended an invitation and said, but just come and see. You got nothing else to lose. And she showed up and God transformed her in a way that gave her purpose and mission. So again, we never know what's at stake. So we have to keep this place a place that is always welcoming that we want to, to offer an environment like Jesus would and not necessarily the religious leaders of his day. That they would come and have the best chance possible to bump into Jesus. And you are such a huge part of that. You play such a key role in that. Now, that was Bridge Tendies. Now, you're new, okay? This is your first day. Been here a couple weeks. You're thinking, okay, I get it. I'm a project, all right? You guys are trying to trick me about something. This is some sort of sick pyramid scheme. Yeah, and let me just tell you, for a low monthly payment of $99.99, you can get, I'm kidding, 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 kidding. Let me explain it to you like this. Suppose you had a friend who uh, had an investment opportunity, didn't tell you anything about it. A couple years later, they're a millionaire, and you find out, you could have got me in on that. What kind of friend is that? Or maybe you've got a friend who, who's discovered an outlet mall on the outside of town and great deals and the lines are low and they always come to work or school just dressed to the max looking good and they still got enough money to go out to eat and you're thinking, are you going to let me know where you're getting all these cheap outfits that look incredible? And they're like, no, just kidding. See you next week. What kind of friend is that? You need to know that if you are a guest here, you're not a project. You're, you're not an experiment, that you were invited here simply because your friend cares about you, that they love you, and that they want you to be a part of a process that God has already started, that God has already transformed in their lives. And they know that you have a chance of bumping into Jesus. No matter where you are, no matter what your life is, and it's, it's their hope and it's our hope that, that you would encounter Jesus. That you would realize, man, I can't pay off my debt. And if, if this thing is, this Bible is for real, I'm in trouble. So I need to put my trust in Jesus, the only one who can cancel that debt. Because they know in that moment, the quality of life is going to change dramatically. That's why we invite people. Because of the life-changing power of Jesus. So what do, we, what do we do with all this? What, where are we going with all this? Well, listen, there's a little day coming up in a couple weeks called Easter, all right? And the great thing about this message at this time of year is that people who, who feel far from God or don't consider themselves a church goer usually give church a chance two times a year, at Christmas and at Easter. Easter is here. So what if you took a bold step? What if you took a risk? What if you overcame the fear and anxiety that you might have been feeling the whole time I'm up here and you're thinking, oh my God, is it raining yet? We got to get out of here. But what if 
you took that chance and invited somebody to just say, hey, come and see. Man, we've got this cool thing going on at the church. We're going to experience Easter in an incredible way. What, why don't you just come and see? I mean, what's the worst that could happen? They could tell you no. Maybe it gets awkward for the next few days. But what if they say yes? What if they actually show up here? And on that day, I know for a fact that they could, they're, they're going to bump into Jesus. And they're going to hear about a God who loves them. A God who accepts them. A God who loved them so much that he sent his only son so that they may have eternal life. What if they heard about that God? I mean, what could happen at that point? This is the last chance that they're giving. And all of a sudden they, they see God in a way that they never have before. Guys, that's, that's why we invite. That's why we ask you to, to walk across the street or have that conversation at the water cooler or have that conversation at kids' practice. You're not doing anything at your kids' practice. You're checking Facebook. Let's be honest. That's, that's all you're doing. What if you actually shock somebody else who is checking Facebook and say, hey, man, you, what's your name? <laughs> and you invited and, and you simply said, we're not asking you to come up with some elaborate story or anything. Just say, hey, you know what, we got some cool stuff going on at our church, at our church this, this Easter, man. You, you want to come and check it out? And they could say yes. Now listen, you got a card in your seat. They give you a couple different ways that, that you, how, you can, how you can do this. This isn't for you to give to somebody. That will just confuse them. But this is a way because we're living in the social media age where we just want to be creative and elaborate and, and giving, making it as easy as possible for you to invite your friends. So take advantage of that and then take the risk because, man, I would hate for us to reject Jesus for somebody else. That we don't even give them an opportunity to bump into Jesus. Man, so the band's going to come back up here in a second. And I'm going to pray for us. But as, as they're playing, man, ask God to just, who? Who can that be? What person has been on your mind this, this whole time? Just pray that the Holy Spirit would just reveal that person to you. Man, who can I simply... Go and ask. Come and see. I'm going to pray for us.